Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No, it's a Southern Five. It's a major. It's another major. I would have been eight. Ugh, dang it. That, I mean, it stinks, but there's nothing I can do about it. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to a Labor Day episode of Actions Detrimental. Um, lady in black. Blackout. Not really sure. Uh, Ooh. Lady blackout. Loss of lights. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Um, yeah, welcome to Actions Detrimental. Uh, we ha- we I don't have my Xfinity trophy here from the week, nor my Golf Guys trophy. We nearly pulled off... The triple sweep. It might have been the best week of my, you know, athletic career. So, fun fact about about that is back in the first year that I did Golf Guy stuff with you, so 2019, I think, there was like a three-race run where if... This was when you had a lot of drivers in, in the Golf Guy store. If the driver won the Golf Guys event, they then won the following race. It's something about the momentum, for sure. So those of you who don't know, this week um, we had our Golf Guys Tour, which is basically the golf league that uh, I run that is filled with you know different NASCAR media members, drivers, and you know team guys, whatnot. So I shot my first ever round under par at the 500 Club. Fitting, it was the 500 Club, and since I was able to win that three times. So I shot my very first round under par and won the golf guys tour event that was on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. And then we go on and we win the Xfinity race and it looks like we're heading towards something great on Sunday. So Jared, I agree with you. It, it, I, it just, as the week was going on and things were going so well, uh, well, I forgot too. the basketball league started on Thursday. So I had golf, my golf league on uh, Tuesday night or Tuesday, I had my basketball league start on Thursday night, which um, breaking news, there's been a trade. Uh, I've already traded two of my players. to Good players. I traded my number one pick. That's correct. Um, Is that because you don't feel good about your team? Or? I don't feel good about my team. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel good about it. Um, yeah, let's just not get into that. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, you can keep your warm-ups, your T-shirts, and all that stuff. We'll, we'll go order some new stuff for the new guys. But, yeah, two players have already been traded. Did you? I just want to ask, did you win the game against my honorary team? Yes. Okay. Yes, which is Tom Norwood's team Yeah. called Irrational Confidence. I love that team name. But So everything was lining up great until lap 250-something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so... We were able to win the Golf Guys Tour. We won the uh, basketball game on Thursday night. We won the Xfinity race, and then uh, we poo-pooed the end of the uh, cup race. So 
Before we get started, just want to remind you this episode is presented by our sponsor, the Birch Gold Group. There's some things that w- went on this week. Um, you know, we had the 98 truck penalty in the truck series. Uh, I th- completely blanked last week when we were recording this show. We were recording it on Sunday because yeah. the race was Saturday night, and you had mentioned that d- during the show so about something going on with the 98 team. And I just completely forgot that it was Sunday and that truck race was yeah happening at the same time. It did. And you saw some comments from Carson Hosvar after the race saying, you know, hey, they got their superpower taken away. Listen, I, I, I'm not 100% sure what they were caught with, but they were caught with something that involved the right rear uh, tire or wheel. You know, 99% chance that they were you know, bleeding air out of the tires. That's probably, you know, which is a huge advantage on the long run. Uh, I mentioned, you know, when we talked a few weeks ago about how, um, you know, Ty Majeski, it was the fastest truck I've ever seen on the long run by a long way. Likely they did not have this just for one week and got caught, right? It just, you know, they dominate some short tracks and some questions get raised um, and NASCAR typically goes and, and starts inspecting things a little bit more vigorously when they see someone's out in the left field quicker than everyone else. So they did find something. Um, I thought the penalty was not very harsh at all. Um, it only affects him if he doesn't make the final four, which I think he's going to make the final four. But even still, the, the reward, I mean, he, he won the week before, so he still advances it took 75 points away. Well, who cares about that? He's still locked into the next round. So I thought that the team definitely got by with one a little better with uh, with this penalty than than others that have you know tweaked that area of the car or truck. Which is really just because the timing, right? The timing of when this penalty happened. Yeah. Um, the timing of it. Yeah, he had already won a race. It was the second race of that round of the trucks. Um you know, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't, to me, change the outlook of the truck playoffs much, much are, at all. Are you saying that you think the penalty should have been more severe? Or? Yeah, I think probably taking away more playoff points. Uh, that way he, you know, really with him taking away five playoff points, it nullifies the bonus points he got from his win the previous week at Indy. But you got to dig deeper than that. Like it's, that's just not enough. But uh, it, of a penalty for sure. But it's by the book, right? So this penalty fits this crime fits yeah. this penalty. Yes, yes and no for sure. I think certainly uh it just depends on the severity of it. And and again, I don't have whatever illegal item sitting on the table here right. to where you can see whether this was a very egregious uh blatant attempt to cheat or not. <laughs> you know, I hate that word's harsh, but it's it's true. You didn't. You, it didn't happen by accident, right? Is it ever on accident? No, not not. You know, I mean, yes, that's actually true. There are inadvertent times that you are deemed illegal. That is quality control. That's the most common cop out that teams say. Oh, quality control just wasn't quite good enough or whatever. But this this particular thing i believe is a um something that was probably deliberate <laughs> i I'm, I'm confident in saying that um so 
He got a penalty. Uh, JGR decided that they were going to swap pit crews on the cup side for Christopher Bell and uh, Ty Gibbs. Um, I think that's probably a good move. I think the 20 team, they were really strong to start the year. They had some hiccups through the summer, and uh, JGR just deemed that the 54 pit crew, who by the numbers was probably one of the best on pit road over the last few months, um, was just a better, you know, uh, it's just a known commodity a little bit more than what maybe the 20 was. But listen, they're all team. We're all a teamwork, you know, type. We've seen changing a pit crews in the past. And I think JGR has got their pit department in a lot better spot this year. Um, in the sense of, you know, getting guys to buy in that, you know, here's the process. Here's why we're switching. Um, and so hopefully it all works out for everyone. Is there, trying to think how to word this it when you swap pit crews is does it change much like with the driver like the way ty may pull into the pit box versus how christopher bell may pull into the pit box does that affect the pit crews performance it, it does uh a little bit for sure um but i just feel like you know that the, the they they really want you to stop in a certain spot and they'll let you know if you're stopping too far left too far right or whatever but you know, you try to hit the sign because the when they get down to their knees to hit the lug, it's they don't want to have to slide one way or another. That's right. just lost time. We have a uh, guest surprise appearance. This what are you doing here? Detrimental. I got an action that's detrimental. Okay. <laughs> Joe. Joe Gibbs just walked in. Hi, Joe. What's happening? I think I'm gonna uh, take a seat. I I think I'm gonna slide over here, Coach. You're gonna take this spot. What do you got for me? Piss stops. I was in this morning. Well, oddly That's enough, Joe's just handed me some pit stop data. Um, You'll see that the 11 was really, really Yeah, I was, I was happy. Yeah. Honestly, I, I thought my team did great all day long. You they know, did, I, yeah. afterwards I mentioned that, you know, this is just a game of millimeters, you know, yep. thousandths of an inch, and if things don't, just go on perfectly these guys have muscle memory that i hit the lug for a certain amount of time and and if if there's just a little hitch or whatever it's it's not tight but it's yeah i was our pit crew i thought did a phenomenal job all all race long yeah. they 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 were on it no doubt about it um this is actually the very first loose wheel that i've had in next gen so yeah. you know i i, I it think happens. it i think it also highlights how hard our sport is, you know, because you can have a night like that. Yep. It is so hard to put together the cars and have good cars that get each weekend to the racetrack fast. And it's so hard to do that. And yet it only takes one slight error for a night. <laughs> and in some ways you kind of say, that's not right. <laughs> but then again, it is right. And uh, we just got to find a way to make it happen. So... I think the first thing you do is analyze everything that happened and then how do we improve? How do we make sure that doesn't happen again? Or how do I work on it if it's a physical thing, which that is? Yep. And so it's practice. It's hard practice for yeah. pit stops. No doubt about it. It's, you know, I, I, I love my guys. They've, they've gotten better as the year has, has went on. Um, these things happen. This is why you play the game, right? I mean, sometimes you fumble a kickoff and the other team runs it back and 
you end up losing the game, but it's that's what sports is, right? So you, you've seen it all. <laughs> well, I have a bad memory because that's the second time. <laughs> so I remember those. I think uh, sometimes in sports, I, I'm kind of weird, I guess, because I always remember the bad things. Well, we're the same way. Yeah, we always know the races we lost, not the ones that we won. Those that's are... exactly right. So you, you brought me a piece of paper also here. Uh, what, what do you have for me today? Surely you didn't just pop in the door here to talk about a, a bad pit stop. No, I kind of want to talk about the future. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it seems like uh, we've been pretty good for each other for yep. a long period of time. Now, I go all the way back. I think it's one of the great sports stories. And I always tell a little story when I'm talking about Denny. Uh, I walked out of a restaurant in Manassas, Virginia, roughly 20 years ago. And there's a kid standing there. Looked like he's about 11 or 12. And he goes, hey, coach, can you sign this autograph? So he said, coach, I figured he's a football fan. And I took his hat, signed it, and his dad took a picture, and we still got the picture. And I handed it back to him. And when I turned to leave, he goes, I'm going to drive for you someday. He goes, just like that. You know, kids say that to you because you got a race team and everything. He said, I pat him on the head. I turn around and leave. And it was Denny Hamlin. And I always, when I tell that story and Denny's around, I always tell him, you didn't tell me I was going to have to pay you a million dollars to drive for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my story. I tell that all the time in, uh, in our hospitalities, but people get a kick out of it. But it's true, and it's kind of interesting how that all took place. J.D. goes up, wanting to buy some late model stuff, finds you, puts you in a test, puts you in a truck, puts you in a Xfinity, and says, let's sign Denny. And gosh, uh, it's been great for us. And really, you've, you've helped us build our race team. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's, uh, well, you've been right more times than not. Every time you, you give advice, you usually give sound advice. When I started this race team a long time ago, you know, a few years ago, you're like, are you sure? Because the drivers sure get the best end of this deal. And and I've quickly realized, yes, the drivers definitely get the best end of this deal. Uh, but yeah, it's been a great relationship. Uh, I see a contract here in front of me. Um, I'm going to sign that contract that will keep me in that 11 Camry for years to come. So thank you for everything that you do uh, for me. Obviously, it was belief that you had in myself and JD and the belief that he had in myself uh, to, to keep this going. So uh, certainly the relationship between us has been really, really strong. Uh, you guys kind of took over when my dad, uh, you know, there's a great poster out there in my garage and it's me and JD sitting on a wall for my very first Daytona 500. My dad's in the foreground and that was kind of the passing of the torch, right? And, and JD's like, you know, I got them from here. So uh, my, my parents really were a big part of making huge sacrifices for me to get to this point. But then now it's on Joe Gibbs Racing. And, and they kind of took over as, as my on-track family. Well, I, my other favorite story on Denny is when we first met him, he had a beat-up Monte Carlo, I think, and that was it. <laughs> And so two years after we signed him, I'm standing in the back of my house here on the lake. I like my house. I worked 40 years for my house. 
I see this jet ski come around the back. It lands on the lot next door. I walk over there, and it's Denny. And I look at him, and I go, Denny, what are you doing? He, he looks at me, looks at the house next door to me, and he goes, I think I just bought this house. And I go, I got ticked off. This house is twice as big as my house. Okay. And so anyway, that's my other part of the story that tells you I'm in the wrong end of everything. He doesn't listen to me. I tried to tell him, you got the perfect deal. You're driving a race car. You're going to have fun and drive a race car for a living. Everybody wants to do that. You make all the money. If we win a purse on the weekends, he gets half. He pays four <laughs> people to mess around with his motorhome or something. I pay 450 people to work on a race car. And the other thing is, they all got great-looking girls, the drivers. So yeah. <laughs> they got fun, money, and girls. So anyway. It's that's my deal. That's you got a, a good deal. That's the trifecta. I don't know why you want to be an owner. That's the only thing I, <laughs> I question. And he doesn't listen to me. I will say that. That's the one other thing. The man never listens to I me. I got two cars. You want to buy them? <laughs> no, no, but thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, again, everything your family's done for me. I know that uh, there's a strong connection. Uh, the, the willingness for you to, you know, take a, a chance on me nearly 20 years ago and then still here when I'm 42 years old to uh, want to continue this relationship for years to come. So thank you. Well, I got to tell you, I think I can tell you, I don't think you're through. I talked to you at Watkins Glen and to have a guy that's 42 driving a race car that had struggled some on road racing and for him to turn around and go to work on road racing over the last year and it qualified three times on the pole for road races. I think it says a lot about Denny's talent, and we're excited uh, about going forward. It means a lot to our all of our guys. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of people that work there that really care about I, – I care I, – I know J.D. worried the whole time about our people. He was always worried about the people. And so many times we make decisions and everything. I know that weighs heavily on me, but this – really really helps us because it kind of solidifies where we're going for the next several years and so that's mm -hmm. what's great and we are going to wind up for good or or, or, or sometimes yeah this for, puts us you know for 20, issues for got, 20 years yeah <laughs> for 20 years we're going to be you know together and uh, at least 20 years and you know certainly I, i've said many times I, i've started my career with you guys i want to end my career with you guys relationship has been beneficial for both no doubt about it now are you sure you want to pay me this kind of money well are you I'm sure not, it was only a million i've, I've never been yeah, sure. yeah only a million that. right yeah <laughs> not quite <laughs> close enough, it's close enough. <laughs> well i'm the guy that gets in the wrong end of everything i so know anyway, i what know the heck? hey what the heck we'll pay for it you know we'll figure something out so thank you appreciate you coming on and uh Let's keep going. You got it, man. Let's let's roll. Before you leave, Joe, I, yeah. I want to hear like one or two more Denny stories. Oh, one, great! Ones that you don't tell uh, in your in your media press conferences. Well, I I can tell you lots of times. I do remember when he lived next door to me, Denny. In his early days, I would go over and talk to him. Say so he's sitting on the couch, and I figure you know, like, hey, the coach is coming next door, going to talk to you. I figured he's going to be perky and after it and i'll swear to you i start talking to him he's sitting on the couch and i was talking about some serious stuff the man went right out on me he slept with the sleep on and so i learned a long time ago 
I say to people, if you want to deal with Denny, ask him questions. So he needs to start talking. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, good, good the man, man's going to zone out well, on you. Coach, coach I am a zone asked, out guy. I've asked Denny plenty of questions, and he also zones out. So I have my, my, so many things going on in here that I'm thinking about at one time <laughs> that I just can't. It's hard for me to put it all together and focus on what someone's saying that's directly asking. I got to I got to get better at that for sure. Well, I can tell you, I finally found a way to deal with him when he was my neighbor. I put Pat, my wife, on him. And believe me, she was after him all the time. Yeah. Music's too loud. Quit parking the cars in my yeah. driveway. I think it took her about 18 months to run Denny out of the neighborhood. He was gone. We had <laughs> weekly parties at, at the house. You know, Listen, I bought the house because Joe was still at Washington. He was still coaching. And I'm like, well, he won't be back anytime soon. And I'll be out of here by the time he get, comes back to the racing team. Oh, no. Well, he came back one year later. And next thing you know, we're, we're truly neighbors. So... You know, when I have people over, you know, they happen to fill up the street and they block his entrance to his house. And, you know, I get, you know, I get his wife, Pat, writing notes on these windshields saying, don't park here, don't park there, turn the music down. You know, we would have late night basketball games with a few of the Charlotte Bobcat players. Raymond Felton came and a bunch of different guys. They'd come over and play every now and then. And uh, I mean, but we would play late into the night. So, um, but yeah, we, it was a interesting dynamic we had as neighbors, but I sure am glad I moved off that street. Okay. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite story on that. I got one more story. So they had a big party. I knew it was Saturday <laughs> night stuff's going all night long and everything. Saturday night. Yeah. And so I come out the next morning and my jet ski was messed up. So I'm out there with the jet ski and it's messed up. And so there, all of a sudden, I hear a bunch of them around the pool, okay? So I'm focused on the jet ski, and all of a sudden, I heard this splashing of people coming towards me. And I turned around like this, and there were two girls, <laughs> I swear to you, that were half-dressed, okay? And here they come towards me, and I'm kind of going, I'm looking, what, what is this? And so they come over, and they go, uh, hey, hey, coach. I went, yeah. They said, hey, I left my purse on the other side of the lake. Can you take, the me, over bar. Can you take me over there on the jet ski? <laughs> okay, now, Pat is on the back porch. I'm looking up at Pat on the back porch. I got this girl is asking me, and I turned around, and I said, not on your life. I said, and then I looked, and they're all standing back at the pool and everything. I said, there's your group. Go get those guys that take yeah. you across Could the you lake. imagine seeing Joe <laughs> with these two chicks on the, on the back of his jet ski taking them? Because we lived right across from the sandbar where everybody would kind of boat together. And so, yeah, they asked Joe. I mean, why they didn't ask me, I'm not sure. But they just they saw someone tinkering with a jet ski out my neighbor, and they're just like, hey, come give us a ride. They didn't know he was my boss or anything like that. So very awkward morning that, it was, that day. It was. <laughs> Sorry anyway, about we got him out of the neighborhood. That was it. That I like the good. context clues in this, though. You said Saturday night, jet ski. So it must be fairly warm. Which is, So it's not November through January. No, it's an off weekend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Joe. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. We'll see you. Ready, ready for a few. This is going to be great. A few more years together. Let's do it. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? 
Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get 200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with the game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code DENNY to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code DENNY only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See DraftKings.com backslash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DKNG.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Well, I was not expecting... Uh, that surprise guest this morning? <laughs> I really wasn't either. So uh, I, I knew that uh, we were kind of getting close with things, but, uh, you know, when the ball puts a little in-person pressure on you, you got you to gotta go ahead and do it. I mean, <laughs> we can confirm now you will be a, a race car driver for at least a few more years. At Joe Gibbs Racing. Yep. Yep. Are you the longest tenured driver mm-hmm. at JJR? Were you the longest before this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, second might have been actually Kyle Bush and then Tony Stewart before that. Okay. So yeah, there's a there's actually a wall right by the elevator where it has like their beginning and end dates for <laughs> it's almost like a memorial of JGR drivers and mine says through present. So it'll it'll say present for it's still a, gonna say present. Yeah, I don't years. have an end date. What does this mean for for you and twenty three eleven? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was that was a big part of you know this process for sure. Uh, what this means is that twenty three eleven will continue its relationship with Toyota into the future. Um, nothing really changes. Uh, we're we're going to continue on the path that we're, we've been on. Uh, it was my goal to you know make that a championship organization within five years. Uh, we're con- going to continue on that trajectory. I think that we're on a, in a good spot. Our relationship with Joe Gibbs Racing is in a good spot. Um, so you know, this kind of solidifies all those deals as done. How has this relationship between JGR and 2311 grown since you started the team on this five-year plan, and how do you see it continuing to grow now into the future? Well, I've, I've seen a lot of alliances come and go with Joe, with Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, a lot of it you know, is dependent on sponsorship, as we know. You know the viability of any race team still rel- heavily relies on sponsorship. Um, that is still true, but you know our sales team and Steve Laletta and has done just a, a great job of, of making sure we we are a stable team. Um, we we've got a lot of great things going, but one thing I've noticed is that with twenty three eleven and JGR, you know, it is a true alliance. There there's not you know before it's just more JGR is you know gets paid a service fee and essentially is really helping out the smaller teams you know, get the information they need to compete. Um, This, it works, it's working well both ways. There are things, no question, that JGR is learning from 2311. This little old team, 
they, they, they do learn things from them. And we also learn a ton from them. So it, that's the way Alliance really should work, right? Is that both teams can feed off of each other and get better together. And I think that they are. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like this is like a checkpoint, right? Is that you start 2311, Toyota relationship, mm-hmm. form an alliance with JGR. This is now the first checkpoint. It's like, okay, yep. everything's working well. We're going to continue this relationship on. Yeah, this was the first time that it had come around to be, really, you ha- you hit it right, a checkpoint. Like, you know, hey, we started this. We all agreed in the very beginning when I started this team, Toyota, JGR, here's how we're going to get this thing off the ground. But then after three years, it's you know time to re-up a deal. And we have to figure out, are we happy with the relationship as it is? Do we want to change it? Um, all those things are super important to the long-term growth of the team. And you know to have everyone agree and shake hands that this is something we want to continue on this path together with uh, is a very good thing. And so... I'm really happy to see that it all got done, and now we can put it all behind us. I don't know what's what's next now. <sighs> Try to win a championship. I mean, that's you know that's at the foregr- forefront now. Is is what do we need to do to finish thing, this thing off over the next nine weeks to win a championship? You know, uh, a lot of you know I mentioned on uh, Sirius not long ago. Um, got all the design finished on the building uh, last week. Uh, these contracts just just got signed. Uh, we're, we're we're in a good spot now to where really the focus is just on driving and doing whatever I can to, to win for the 11 team. Does this take a weight off your shoulders? Like how much time in the last handful of weeks would you say has been during your week has been dedicated to this these discussions? So much. I mean, phone calls, emails, in-person meetings, you know, zooms it it just never stops it never stops because again well every decision you make has a cause and effect somewhere right so you make a decision hey we're going to do this well then how does it affect b and c so i think that now that that is done i see myself having a ton more time to just focus on the you know the task at hand so i think that it's going to be my schedule is going to be dramatically better over these next eight, nine weeks. Sweet. Love to hear it. More time to shoot some social media content. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into this uh, Xfinity race, which we were starting to talk about before Coach stepped in the door. Um, the, I mean, yeah, you, you, you came home with a trophy. We don't have yeah. it sitting here as the centerpiece. but Yeah, I, you know, I, I was probably a little cocky uh, and casual last week on the podcast saying, oh, I you know, without Kyle and Kyle, this is just going to be a cakewalk. And I was thinking at some point of the race, I'm like, oh boy, here I am, you know, John Hunter's dominating the race and Cole Custer's ahead of me for a greater part of it. Austin Hill is as well. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I didn't mean it in a disrespectful way by any means, right? I was just kind of being entertaining at that point. But I was like, I knew, I knew that I had a little extra gear to go like I just knew throughout the race that you know even though I may have been running in third or fourth or whatever like I know how much time's left um I know that it's I don't have to go take control of the race right now um so we just kind of methodically put ourselves around 
a place that we could contend, um, had a good restart, and then that put me second, and I was able to pressure then Austin Hill from that point on. And, and I tried to make a few passes on him, and I realized, man, he's not going to give this up very easily, so what do I, I need to make how can I make this pass easier? So at that point, I just parked my car on his rear bumper. And with the neck, with the uh, Xfinity cars, you can really manipulate the leader's car by just running right on their bumper. You can just keep getting them so loose that they heat up their tires. And then you make another run at them to pass them, and the pass becomes easier. So um, I made one run at him early on. I got side by side. He battled back. He you know, retook the lead. And I'm like, okay, I will just sit here on your back bumper for a little while, really kind of pressure you to either make a mistake or, you know, burn up your stuff to where the pass will be 20 times easier than it was when, when everyone's car was, you know, at top shape. And it just worked out to where eventually I worked him over enough. I, I saw he was out of control enough to where, all right, let me just go ahead and make the pass now. So uh, that worked out great. And then, you know, we came in first, came out third with 12 laps to go. And I'm like, oh, I don't like our, I, this, we're going to have to have things kind of work out perfectly here at the end because I, I hadn't showed a, sh- a lot of short run speed uh, that race. Um, again, I hadn't pushed it to the next gear quite yet. You know, I, I, those Xfinity cars drive so different than Cup that, I mean, I just feel like I'm somewhat out of control at all times. Um, but yeah, I just, I worked over and got the 20 pretty quickly. Um, and then a caution came out right away. And when the caution came out, I'm like, okay, Austin Hill's been struggling on restarts. You know, I'm, I'm whatever line he picks, I'm going to go the opposite side. And it's funny because in the bus, your mom had the exact same reaction. She's like, Ooh, Denny's been really good on restarts. And the 21 has not been as good on restarts. (laughs) I was like, Oh, Mary Lou, do you, do you notice that? Yeah. She, (laughs) she checks it all out for sure. So, I was very surprised to see him take the inside line. Now, in his defense, he had really, really struggled on the outside line when he was restarting. He, he controlled the outside line. Um, earlier that day, I was fourth behind him, and he got passed by two cars. So it wasn't like he just blatantly made a terrible call to take the inside line. It's what he thought was best for him and his car at the time. Um, it just, we got a really good restart. He struggled a little bit to get going as well. And again, we're on scuffed tires in Xfinity. You spin the tires way more than you do in the cup series on restarts. And when the tires are not sticker tires, so not tires that you just came out on on pit road, it, it makes restarting even tougher in Xfinity series. So I knew I needed to just be very patient with my acceleration. I see him over there spinning them and, once you in Xfinity, you get to the outside of somebody, you have got them in a stranglehold because they're at the mercy of you because you can get them loose. Uh, you know, the leverage spot in Cup is on the bottom, the leverage spot in Xfinity is being on the top. And once I had was able to stay next to them entering turn one, it was game after that. Is it difficult moving from the next gen car down to the Xfinity car for one race a year? It was difficult. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, even in practice, uh, now we went out late. We didn't want to get a false read on what the track was when it was green versus having rubber on it. Um, so, you know, we were like 17th or something in practice and really my lap times were off two, three tenths, but you know, I just, I know, I know when I'm able to go get more. 
um, versus, you know, previous times at Xfinity car, I'd, I'd had to go to a backup car because I drove into turn three and, oh, whoa, these cars don't slow down as good. They don't have as good of brakes. And I just pound the fence and, and really mess it up. So I just wanted to ease my way into it this weekend. And we just slowly got faster and faster as the race went on. And I got more comfortable. And the more comfortable I got, the harder I was able to push it. And we were able to show our speed. Do you feel pressure racing this race? Because it's the one Xfinity race a year. It's at Darlington. And Sport Clips is on the car. It's like, a no-win situation, Jared. Like, it, there's only one thing that can come out of me running Darlington. Or really, any other cup driver running Xfinity race. And that is... It can only end up in a worse look because people expect you to win, right? I mean, you're you're going down the Xfinity, you got all this experience. Well, you're supposed to win, so when you win, it's just like meh, you know, not a big deal. Right. But if you lose, you're like, oh, oh, you're not you're not as good as you thought. Like it's just it, it is kind of a no win situation, so it really puts the pressure on you absolutely to to go down there and win if you're if you're going to go do it, but. I don't know. I, I would I would go as far to say like it feels even more of a no win situation for you at this track yeah. because of your history here. I mean, your average finish is for Xfinity before that DQ a few years ago was so what like one point five. It was, it was low. Yeah, <laughs> certainly low for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it's cool. We get an, put another piece on the uh, display area by the front door of the house. Um, Again, it was it was it was a fun it was a fun Saturday. I don't know whether I'll do it again though. I, I just I might You said the same thing last year. I last year I didn't run Xfinity. The two years ago. I know. I just yeah, I just I feel like this is a good time to have that that be my curtain call for Xfinity. And last year you not were, like it, Kyle Bush who's like, Oh once I win a hundred I'll stop like no, no, I'm, I'm just happy. Like, it, it, there is no benefit to running Xfinity um, to help Cup. It, it, they do not relate one bit. Um, it's a completely different car, drives completely different. The tires are dramatically different. The shifting is different. Um, it's just there's nothing that I can really draw from it that helps. Um, it other than you know it's Sport Clips and it's their title race and we've had a long relationship and. That's great. I'd I'd love to end on a note of checker flags. So, well, a little momentum, maybe. It sure looked like it for at least the first mm -hmm. half of the race on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I I felt really good about the car. Again, I knew early on when my car wasn't exactly perfect uh, to start the race that you know I've never I haven't let the leader more than ten car lengths in front of me all day long when the daylight was out. So I knew that I had. Uh, again, a little bit more in the tank to go get when I needed it. And, you know, when we took the lead there on, uh, you know, before the end of the first stage, I knew at that point it was, it's, it's our race. You know, it, it just, I knew how hard. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, oh. Taylor, she's me playing with the cords. So she got me some <laughs> fidgets. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. So I just, I know when I've got more to get. And when I was in the lead, you know, you know how hard you're pushing to stay in the lead. And Larson, I thought, was our biggest competition. Now, Reddick was, I think it was whoever was going to be in front, either. I think they were kind of tied on speed, the 5 and the 45. They were very, very close on speed all day long. But I just knew when we were out front, like, 
I wasn't having to push hard to stay in front and not only stay in front, but extend the lead. You know, of course, the leader always has a dramatic advantage on uh, the speed capability of the race car because they have the cleanest air. But I wasn't pushing at all and still inching away each lap just a little bit. So I, I just kind of knew that, you know, we it was ours and, you know, we just as long as we keep everything um, status quo on pit road, then then it was going to be going to be good for us. How much do tires play into it when you are the leader? You mentioned that you can just kind of, I mean, you have the clean air, right? So you don't have to push it. And then I guess you're not wearing your tires yep. as much as the guy in second who's 100%. trying to catch you. Yeah, which is why you see a lot of times when the leader catches lap cars. And early on, it was Ross Chastain and it was Daniel Suarez. You know, they're fighting to stay on the lead lap. You know, you just you sit behind them so long that eventually your stuff burns up because you're, you know, hey, do I go ahead and slide my car around here and try to get around them, then go back into saving? Or, you know, here comes, you know, Larson's gaining ground because I'm stuck behind these guys. Um, it's just a balance, but certainly your car, if you if you run right behind someone for a while, it certainly loses capability of top-end speed. We had the lights go out midway through stage two. Yeah. You said let's continue to race. Um, every other guy on the track seemed like, "Hey, we need to we need to pause here." <laughs> I I I said to Chris because he says, "Hey, they want to know what you think about the lights," and I'm like, "Let me be honest. From my perspective out front, when there's not there's nothing in front of me, so I I think it's fine. But I understand. I said on the radio, if you're in the middle of the pack, it's probably going to be challenging. So." I was fine with them stopping it. I'm really happy to see it got. You know, when they said they were going to call a power company, I'm like, <laughs> oh boy, this could this could take a minute. But they got it fixed pretty quickly. Uh, you know, very limited, uh, probably five ten minute break there, um, and then the lights were back up. So, you know, that was kind of the only on you know or not racing drama that we had. There was some other stuff. It seemed like. You know, Harvick. And well, on, then, before you move on the lights real quick, just a, a funny story. In your bus, Primetime Ron or Red Rocks Ron, whatever we want to call him. Okay. Oh, we're halfway. Lights are out. Got to call it. Got to call it. <laughs> That's it. Was it? Even my crew chief said the same thing. He's like, I, I think they should call it. We're past halfway. So might as well if they're not gonna get it pack fixed, it up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Chris, they'd run this thing tomorrow during the day if they had to. So uh, yeah. nothing's going to come easy. So I, it didn't matter. Our car was just really good. The team did a fabulous job of preparing me a extremely fast race car and um, did the best we could for sure. Just one small hiccup like we were talking about with Joe, just uh, the littlest thing. And, and really, the pit crew nailed it all, all race long. We held serve on pit road every single time. Um, green flag stops, they did a great job. Uh, they, they, they're really coming on to their own. It's just these are some of the small little things little freak accidents that happen that that can take you out and it takes you from winning to 25th so you know years from now we're gonna look back like 25th man what happened and you know we know that we we did well but it doesn't matter it's not what's going to show up on the scorebook you were you started to bring up the suarez bowman incident who's whose side are you on uh it's it's really close i mean you know, Suarez took himself out, you know, trying to prove a point there. Um, so I don't know that he really won with that scenario. Yes, he wrecked Alex 
you know, saying, hey, you don't block me out. But, I mean, I agree with Bowman in the sense of, well, Daniel blocks too. So, you know, it's hard to throw stones. It's hard for any of us to throw stones because we all do it. Um, you know, if you're going to get, you know, if you're pissed off at Bowman for blocking, then I think there's probably ways to, you know, get them in the fence that don't take yourself out. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like kind of like a rage thing. It's just like, all right, well, I'm screw it. I'm, I'm just hooking you right here in the right rear a little bit. And whatever the result is, the result is. But, uh, you know, I don't know what position they were battling for. Bowman, I saw, was hanging around the back half of the top 10 most of the day. So probably around that 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th spot. Um, you know, certainly ruined both of their days, um, which was unfortunate for both of them. They had, you know, pretty decent days going to Suarez. He, you know, was battling. He, uh, stayed on the lead lap, but he was on the verge of going a lap down in the first stage. And so he found himself actually, uh, you know, gaining some of that track position back, but you know, it, it doesn't matter because they both, uh, ended up in a terrible spot. After you had lost the lead, um, we saw Harvick battling Reddick. And just a weird situation all around, right? Harvick's coming to pit road. His car spins in front of him. He's just committed to pit yeah. road at that point, and it is so, what it is. as I understood it, um, basically Harvick was going to undercut um, Reddick. So undercut means that he's going to pit sooner than the person that he is following, in the efforts that that one extra lap on tires that will be about a second and a half faster will then put him in front of Reddick and then Reddick would pit and Reddick would come out presumably, you know, a half a second behind him, but with only one lap fresher tires. And that is not enough of a, a gain likely for Reddick to be able to overtake him back under green conditions. So, that undercut happens pretty often at that racetrack because track position is so critical. Um, and it appears as though the four car was coming to pit road and the 45 team then tried to, to make an audible and pit right then, like, you know, to, to avoid getting undercut. This is a, a, a continued problem with the 45 of pitting under green, but, They've got to stop taking the chances that they're taking. Like, live to live to run another lap. Like, putting yourself in immediate danger. Luckily, Newman didn't just run right into his door and end his race. You know, thank goodness Newman checked up and essentially right. spun himself. But, you know, I get it. You know, Harvick was close to you you don't want to get undercut but you can't take that kind of risk try, trying to come to pit road um and it ended up yeah, it screwed harvick for sure bad uh because you know he the caution came out and harvick is in a position where he can't it's too late to turn and avoid you know the the pit road commitment box but i guess the question is from the media is wondering why did he stop and pit, right? Because by the rules, you're not allowed to pit the car. You can drive through, but you can't service the car. And they chose to service the car. So that was 
a blunder for sure. There, there's no way other way you could, you know, word that. Uh, but you know, they're just in awe of the situation that they just got put. You know, they didn't put themselves in that situation. It it got handed to them, and then you know they compounded it by pitting the car. Is that or does this happen because Reddick? looks in his rear view or there's a quick communication that, you know, the force yes. coming to pit road and yep. it's kind of a knee jerk reaction on yes. his part. Yeah. The knee jerk for sure. Now there's a, there's a couple other ways to do this too. I mean, you could have where it's not over, right? So even if he undercuts you by a lap, you don't know that his pit stop is clean. Maybe the pick. So what Billy could do at that point is then look to see, okay, how fast is the force pit stop? Is it, if it's a 10-5, say it's a 10-5, then the well, coming one lap later will not really hurt you that much because you think that you're going to run a better pit stop than that. And so that negates the time that that they've gained on you by that on-track speed of a second and a half faster. Or Tyler could get on pit road quicker than he could. That could negate the distance of that second and a half. So there's a lot of ways so, to negate it. Um, or... If Harvick, let's just pretend Harvick had a fast pit stop, they could have run an extra two to three laps. Now they have to monitor how far back is the next competitor from Harvick. If he's within a couple seconds, you can't really wait too much longer. But if there isn't someone right there, you can pit a couple laps later, have a little bit more of a tire advantage, and you're probably going to run down Harvick and repass him. So the advantage harvick has is a second and a half you're saying if you mm-hmm. pit before the guy it's a second and a half roughly yeah that's the difference between new tires and uh, the laps that you're running on with your race car before you pit doesn't the second plate the guy who comes out second though gonna get that back because they're gonna have a, a lap later on their tires or no, yeah but they're gonna how? be coming back out running the same speed so they both have one, he has one lap on his tires he has zero Got it. So they're going to both co- be going super fast speed. But by Harvick pitting that one lap sooner, he has he has taken a second and a half off his stint time. His stint is basically the amount of time that he spends from pit stop to pit stop. Because he comes one lap sooner, he takes that second and a half off of his total stint time. Got it. Are these cars more forgivable, the next-gen cars, are more forgivable than the previous car at Darlington, we see like yeah. Kyle Larson tagged the wall and his spotter and, and him himself say, I thought that was it. I thought my mistake cost me that race. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I knew what I had in reserve is right. Is that when the five was able to somewhat stay with me, you know, they mentioned to me in, in on the radio that, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can. He's up against the wall. He's bounced off of it a few times. So it tells me he's pushing. And I knew at that point I hadn't even run, you know, a line that I, you know, thought maybe was going to be faster. Right. I, I just didn't want to put my car at risk at any point in the race unless I absolutely had to. Uh, that's why at Darlington, you don't see me run the fence early in races. Just, you know, just mitigate your risk. If you're, now, sometimes when your car is not great, you have to do it from the very beginning to very end because that's the only way you're going to keep up or gain positions. But when I knew my car was as good as it was, I was able to run more conservative lines and run competitive lap times, so it, it mitigated my risk of getting into the wall throughout the day. 
Looking at the playoff standings, Kyle Larson now advances to the next round. William Byron is plus 45 up. Tyler Reddick plus 30. Chris Busher plus 27. You yourself plus 27. Martin Shrix Jr. plus 25 came into this uh, well ahead of the cut line. Uh, not a great day for, for Truex. Kyle Busch plus 20. Brad Keselowski plus 18. Ryan Blaney plus 16. Ross Chastain plus 13. Joey Logano plus 3. Christopher Bell plus 1. And then below the cut line, Bubba Wallace, minus one. Kevin Harvick, minus two. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., minus four. And Michael McDowell, minus 19. When you look at that, uh, who stands out to you? Um, I, I think that this is a race that the 34 could not... They, they couldn't afford to have a bad day. Um, you know, they had a kind of a rough day going anyway. Uh, but then they were the ones that, you know, crammed into the back of me on that uh, when the Gillen was spinning... And I checked up for it. Like Michael coming there, Days of Thunder style, he was trying to haul ass and just ran right in the back of me and destroyed his car. So um, it was, uh, they, I don't know that they really could have avoided um, or, or they needed to avoid races like this if they wanted to move on just simply because the tracks, you know, there's no road courses in this, in this round. Um, they're going to need some help. Uh, they're definitely going to need some help. Over these next two weeks, um, I, they, they certainly could run really well at Bristol. Uh, I don't know their history at those uh, at Kansas or Bristol, but with the points that he's down, um, it's going to be tough to gain on those guys at the cut line on raw speed for sure. He's going to need some misfortune by others, but everyone else, I mean, Bubba had a really good day, but he didn't score any stage points, right? So he's but, still minus one. Um, he actually gained on the cut line, but. I don't think there's any surprises out of that. I mean, Harvick was shaping up to be in a great position. Uh, you know, he was in a spot where uh, he was contending for the race win and ended up, I don't know where he ended up, about 20th or so. So uh, it's just a thing. That's next-gen racing. You have one little hiccup and boom. It, you, you cannot make it up. You can't pass in these cars like you used to be able to. So coming from the back to the front, forget it. To me, this highlights how important stage points are. I mean, just looking at yourself, plus 27, had you not scored any stage points in this race and not won either yeah, stage, would be plus seven. you're plus seven in yeah. anyone's game at that point, yep. next two weeks. Uh, yeah, certainly. You know, I Again, I, I said after the race, I, didn't, I don't really care what the points are because I know that we're fast enough to go sit on the pole the next two weeks and lead every lap and lead every stage. You know, that's the way we, we approach the weekend anyway. It doesn't always work out that way. But I was more disappointed with not winning when we had a dominant car uh, than anything. I, I still, you know, I feel good about where we're at. Kansas is the race we won earlier this year. Bristol, we always run well at, so uh, I feel pretty confident. So there's nothing, I don't think there's anything earth-shattering that came out of this weekend other than, you know, uh, Truex didn't run very good. Um, did he have any damage to his car? Or did he just not run good? Well, it started from not qualifying well. Yeah. And he had the loose wheel and he came back. And yeah, he had a loose wheel. But even even still, like, there was a mo I was leading the race, and the 19 had an unscheduled stop. He was on fresher tires. He passed me to get his lap back. But, like, then I was just sat on his rear bumper, and I'm like, wow, he's got a pretty big tire advantage, and he's not really going anywhere. Um, and then when we were battling, battling for a lucky dog, after my car is destroyed, like I, they, 
Chris told me this morning, he's like, the, the right rear quarters and spoilers knocked down five-eighths of an inch. It's shoved in five-eighths of an inch. The splitters tore all to hell. So, you know, our car is in really, really bad shape after uh, we got in that wreck. But I just, I was watching Truex, and he just really wasn't going much of anywhere. So, just don't know if they missed it or they had damage that we didn't see. But certainly, I, we kind of expected him to kind of drive through the pack similar to Larson yep. and be a contender up front, but you just didn't see that. Um, so he, you know, he's still in a good spot for sure. Bell, I'm not sure. I, he just, we came in for a green flag pit stop and I never saw him again. I, I guess they said he got in the wall a couple times, uh, maybe damaged his car. And again, he, he, ne- he didn't show up the second half. So it was like, you know, clearly there was some damage there that, that hurt his car. But he's finding himself now just one spot right there on, on the, above the cut line. When Coach was here, the first thing he brought up was was pit stops, and you just talked about how you talked to Chris after the race. Um, it was the final verdict on the loose wheel. So yeah, immediately uh, they played audio of Chris saying, "Hey man, we don't we don't see anything loose," and I and I said to him, "Well, Chris, it was loose." Um, and so it takes time for them to download like a high res video of, of what happened, you know, from the cameras that they have. And what it looked like was, you know, when the changer was tightening the nut, again, their brain tells them, all I got to do is hit this thing for one second. I'm pulling off and I'm going. Right. You assume that the, the threads are going to go on just perfectly. And you just never know, right? It looked like the, the left rear changer's gun was still in a tightening motion. So it had not gone in, you know, when it's tight, it, it spins and then stops, right? The, 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 that's why they draw lines on the gun is for, to tell them when, that, when, that, when the lines stop, you can go ahead and pull off. It was still ratcheting itself tight when he pulled off. Okay. So it wasn't. So this is all kind of muscle way. memory, right? Boom. Zzz. It is, it, you know, they don't, they don't wait to see the line stop, right? right? They're not waiting there to. It's okay, more for the stop. video to yeah. diagnose. Did it stop? Did it stop? If it stops, it's tight, right? If the if it was still moving when you pulled off, then it's it still had room to tighten, right? And so I, I'd never had a loose wheel um, that I can remember uh, in next gen that under green, certainly under green. And so I'd never felt that sensation before. And I knew that right away that it's loose. Like I, I, what Tyler Reddick's car looked like at Michigan when he was sliding through the corners, like, I'm like, that's what I had. As soon as I let off the gas, this thing just pitched sideways and I was on brand new tires. Shouldn't have done that. So, um, I just, I knew right away it wasn't right. And I knew right away also that our race was over. Is there any doubt? from the team of the crew chief, like when they don't have confirmation that it was a loose wheel in the moment? Like what is Chris thinking when he doesn't have confirmation in the moment, but you're telling yeah. him we need to pit here? So, you know, a lot of times, and actually this has happened with Bubba Wallace a few times, he has pit when the wheels have been tight, like confirmed, they'd see the video, it's tight. Yep. And, you know, it's just these, sometimes you get a set of tires that's a little squirmy. Right, you you just had a long run. Everything seems fine. Well, the air pressures are lower, so you gotta take into account that you know, this might be just low air. Yep. Right. But I had run green flag pit stops before at Darlington, um, 
and I had earlier that night and knew right away that the feel was not the same. It wasn't low air. This was a mechanical problem. Uh, but yeah, there has been drivers, uh, even besides Boba, that have pit when the wheels have been tight. It's just been a squirmy feel. And so they're just looking to the pit crew in the video to, to confirm to me as soon as possible they are absolutely sure it's tight or there's question. And the immediate reaction was the pit crew guys were like, yeah, everything was, everything seemed fine. Right. Then they download the high res video or whatever. And it comes, you know, minutes, you know, 10 minutes after. And it's like, it, it could have been moving a little bit. So that's enough to where it kind of confirms that you know, certainly what I felt was, was real. Wasn't, wasn't a ghost. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I had not, spoken to you about this not overheard you talk to anyone about it last night so coming in here today my question was going to be oh you know did you overthink this situation like was mm -hmm. the wheel actually tight and you just no nope. thought it was no it wasn't I, i'm i'm very confident of it because I, I was racing the 45 off right. of pit road and, and we you were dropping spots too well i was only out there a lap Right. Um, the, the 45, I, I tried to drive in deep cause I knew he was going to drive into deep into three. And also my car went sideways. I'm like, what the heck? And it came off the corner and it was the back of the car was wagging like a tail. Right. And I'm like, damn, what is that? I went into one and it got sideways again. I'm like, uh, what is that? And the 24, so I went around turn three and four again and it kept getting worse. The 24 then passes me. I'm like, I, I can't do this any longer. Like I'm, I'm going to end up you know, backing this thing into the wall. So take my medicine, um, come in, get another set of tires, try again. And, and when we went back out there, we were like three tenths faster than the field or even fa faster than I was previously. So, right. um, and I was confident right away when I left pit road, I gave it a little steering wheel jerk to see like, so there was a variable and I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is right. This is the way it's supposed to feel. How quickly do you come to terms with that? You lead this race for a hundred and however many laps, and then all of a sudden it's just gone like that. I mean, it sucks. It really does. You know, not winning sucks more than anything else. I mean, you know, it's five more bonus points. It's another trophy on the trophy case. But not just a trophy. No, I'm, it's just another five. It's a major. It's another major. I would have been eight. Ugh, dang it. That, I mean, it stinks, but there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, I just, I'm going to drive the car 100% every lap, and you know we're going to win and lose as a team. You know, those guys, they got me off pit road numerous times in first place. So this is just one of those small hiccups, and every now and then you have, you know, a false start. And this is the equivalent, only it was at the end of the game when he could have kneeled it down. But, you know, it just, it, it's just part of sports, man. I, I can't be too upset because I'm really happy with where our pit crew is right now. So no, not hard feelings, but no, you know, had this put us below the cut line. Yeah, maybe so. But you know, we won the first two stages. We got two points. It's going to lead us into the next round added onto our total. I mean, it's not all terrible. It, you know, I, I get it. It's, I'm a tough competitor, but I, I've I've seen this before, Jerry. It's not like my first one of like, oh my god, the heartbreak. The my, I could have got my very first Southern 500. No, it's not. I've right. You've been. It's, this is you know, 18, 19 years. I've I've seen it all. <laughs> trust me. I've had the worst beats you've ever seen happen uh, in, in the playoffs. So yeah. yeah, 
yeah, just add it to the list. That's funny. Last week, we didn't talk about beginning of the show is that you had playoff media day this week. And uh, one of the questions I remember, I can't remember which uh, station it was at, but the question was posed like, you know, if you could think back, what is the one playoff moment that has really just left you really sour? And it, they're fishing for the Martinsville, the, the wall ride, you know, and you're just like, eh, I don't know. It's just you, you came up with something else and that wasn't the answer they wanted. No, I know. I, it, it, certainly. I, they all know the media. They all know the the tough beats that I've had in these playoffs and, uh, you know, things that, you know, some's been in my in my control. Some's been out. But that's sports, man. I'm just going to keep on trucking, keep on leading and trying to win stages, trying to win races, and eventually it's all going to, you know, the odds will play back in my favor. But, you know, just got to be patient with it sometimes. Is Coke Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? I know that's a bold question, but it's got that irresistible taste to back it up. Well, one thing's for sure, when you've got an irresistible match like Zero Sugar and Zero Calories, something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing, it's hard to put it into words. But hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. Well, with that, we have Kyle Larson winning his very first Southern 500. Uh, I feel like he's been in contention for a while. Um, you know, he's he's had things bite him uh, in past quests for the Southern 500. He's been very fast um, at that racetrack uh, along with us. And so, you know, when we stumbled, we, he kind of picked up the pieces. So at that point, it became kind of a battle between like him and uh, Reddick as to who was going to win the race. And a lot of that was going to boil down to who was going to be, who's going to come off pit road first. So I think Kyle did a, a great job. He, uh, he drove from, you know, the teens in qualifying to up at the front of the race, uh, up in front of the pack. And, uh, you know, I know that's a win that he really, uh, it's going to cherish. It, it's a, it's a major, it's a big one for him. Um, and so this is this is going to be one that's going to be in his resume for quite a while. So uh, congratulations to Kyle and his team. And now they're moving on to the round of 12. So they've got a few extra weeks to prepare for that next round. And um, this is going to be a, a good advantage for them. So with this victory and two more in the first round, what does this do for Larson going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think really now he's got two weeks that he's – not going to be pressured. So he's going to be more free and, you know, their strategies that they call at Kansas and Bristol, they're probably going to be a little more aggressive because all they're going to do now is just try to get more bonus points for the next round and, 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 in for the, the rounds after that. So, uh, they can spend more time preparing for races coming up in the round of 12. So, you know, this is a big, you know, big advantage if you can win early and move on. Well, fortunately for you and I guess the entire Toyota camp, Martin Trix Jr., Christopher Bell headed to Kansas next week, which traditionally is a track that the Camrys run very well at. Yeah, it is. It's It's been a re- really good track for, for me uh, and Chris Gabehart and our 11 team uh, winning the race there earlier this year. And uh, it has been 23-11 won both races, I think, last year. So uh, I, we're all pretty confident. Uh, which is why I'm not too caught up in, oh my gosh, what happened last night? And, you know, it's, I've got to shift my focus to Kansas. I don't have time to harp on, you know, I, I've, I've learned, you know what? 
you have to live with the result because you can't change it, right? You just you just have to. You got to find a way to cope. And my way to cope is just start working on the next one. Anything else you want to add? No. Um, you know, real, real, really uh, kind of going to enjoy the rest of the day. We, we're kind of midday here uh, on Labor Day. I would like to enjoy the rest of the day labor-free. <laughs> you have any plans the rest of this day? No, just going to chill out. I, I don't want to... Uh, commit to anything. I think Taylor, Taylor has played. Oh, she wants me to practice volleyball uh, with her. So I'll probably go downstairs in the gym and do that with her. Just a multi-purpose center, a basketball gym, a pickleball court. It's been the court. most useful <laughs> space. It is. It's, it's, it's the most useful space in my house. There's no question. Other than the kitchen, it's it's the most used spot. Yeah, they, they go down there. They turn the lights off. They do uh, neon rollerblading. Um, we use it for the basketball league. We use it for the pickleball games. Um, we can play volleyball. They have aerial silks down there hung from the ceiling. So gel blaster games. We got to do that. Uh, you know, certainly the, the shop is coming along now in a spot where, uh, the superintendent said it's perfect for a gel blaster war. So all the lights off, we got so many hidden rooms and all that stuff in there that like we could really have a battle. So we got to have a night battle with the, with the, uh, with the glow in the dark gel blaster pellets. Hundred percent. How long will it be in that that state for? He said for the next, you know, probably the next month or so okay. is, is probably a good time. Okay, plenty of time before we get windows and paint and all that stuff. Again. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, before we close out here, I got a review from Sueb two two nine. He says, or they say. Another interesting and informative podcast. Glad Ryan is okay after the crash. Thank you. And tell your mom I have trouble opening Tupperware as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what were we doing? You were talking about the roof hatch. Oh, I know. Oh, no. I was, I was just thinking that got brought up in the car today because uh, my coffee cup, uh, my leg was pressing up against the side and it popped the top off of it. Mm. And George's like, Tupperware, Tupperware. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Tupperware roof hatch, uh, they're, they're working on that. Uh, but just remember, guys, to uh, give us more uh, uh, rates and reviews. Appreciate y'all doing that. Um, make sure you subscribe to Dirty Mo Media on YouTube. And each week as we put up clips uh, on Friday uh, for the full podcast video. Yep. Make sure you give us a follow. Me, Denny Hamlin and Jared D. Allen on all your social channels. Yep. Hope everyone's Labor Day was laborless. Yep. Have a great day. Check out Dirty Mode Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.